and famous <laughs> with a guy named Robin Leach. My name is Robin Leach. I'm a terrible. I probably should have my son uh, do the, uh, the, the, the accent stuff. But in the, in the lifestyles of the rich and famous, uh, the, the reality, matter of fact, I, I wanted to look it up just a little bit because the, the start of the show would kick off. And for those of you who are, are, are younger, you, would, you don't know anything about this lifestyles of the rich and famous, but you might remember things like MTV Cribs, um, or if you're into HGTV and things like that, maybe like Island Hunters or, or things like that where these rich people are really finding um, or showing the extravagant lifestyle that they live uh, by that. So in the, in the lifestyles of the rich and famous with Robin Leach, he would literally travel around the world. I kind of wished I had this job. Travel around the world, meet with rich people, and, and then showcase their lifestyle. And in the midst of, or the start of the show, it says this, you and I would get to discover how life's winners, get this, how life's winners live, love, and spend their fortunes. And I thought, so are the rest of we are, are the rest of us losers? Like, like what? If, what kind of a, an example is that? How life's winners live, love, and spend their fortunes. In Luke chapter two, as we jump into this idea and, and continue in our idea of the miracle of Christmas, in Luke chapter two, we get to see the reality of what it means to have a rags to riches lifestyle. All right, And a lot of times we often look at or think about how we can compare ourselves to those people. You know, if you were to watch HGTV or you were to watch like the old school MTV Cribs or you watch any of these shows that, that portray the, the lifestyles of the rich and famous, a lot of times you may feel like, well, I'm just never going to be that individual. I'm never going to have that kind of money and things like that. But what I want us to see over this next brief moment is to see that the reality is that money doesn't mean that we're rich. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I, I know an individual who has a lot of money who believes that he's going to take it with him when he dies. <laughs> At which point I'm like, dude, you're dead, bro. Like, you ain't got to, what are you going to spend it on? Like, you know, hey, all of this is stuff that we are building up in, in reality or storing up, storing up treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven. And so what I want to do is just really look at how the miracle of Christmas is a rags to riches story. You know, we love rags to riches story. As a matter of fact, if you were to go and look it up, there are multiple millionaires and billionaires who grew up in destitute poverty. Oprah Winfrey grew up very poor. Matter of fact, as I was looking through all of these different, uh, uh, what we'll call influential people in our world, the reality is a lot of them grew up poor. Warren Buffett grew up poor. You know, all of these types of people who grew up poor realized that there were things that took place in their life that led them into a richness or a, a richness that the world might identify. And what I want us to look at today is this, that we all have a rags to riches story when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Brad Paisley sang a song not so long ago called The Lifestyles of the Not So Rich and Famous. And what I want us to understand and what I want us to dig into is to see that we're all rich in the ways that God wants us to be rich. And we're going to begin to see our rags to riches story in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, 
and we're gonna just kind of unpack this. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now listen to what it says now, verse two. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary. Listen, this is important because we have to begin to see what's taking place. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and she placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now we're gonna jump in and look at a number of things that take place here in this section of scripture, but we love to hear stories of people who came from rags to riches and we see the struggle and we see the success and deep down inside, we want to be that person. That's the reality. I mean, if you were to watch those shows, matter of fact, I believe the reason most of those shows were popular was because in some way, shape, or form, we desire for it. Matter of fact, I'll use this example over the summer um, when, when I think it's the Travel Channel or one of those, they have these um, shows on pools. And they're pretty awesome pools. Matter of fact, we get caught up in them. Our kids, I'm trying to remember, what is the name of the, the, the pool show? Do you remember that one? Uh, I don't know, insane pools, insane pools. That's what it's called. And in insane pools, they are insane. Like probably more money spent on pools than any of our houses in here. (laughs) Maybe even some of all of our houses put together would equal some of the cost of some of these pools. There was one pool we saw, they spent over a million dollars just in importing the stone from Italy. And I'm like, holy cow, Uh, just the stone. And in that aspect, the kids are like, we should get a pool. And I'm like, we got one. It's a doggy pool from Walmart. You know, like, yeah, that's the pool you got. It's, it's nothing fancy. But, but I think that there's a struggle and a success because deep down inside, we want to be those individuals that bear out those ideas. But the story of Jesus' birth is a rags to riches story. It's something that we begin to see that his birth was so basic and so humble, at least from an earthly perspective. So what seems to everyone around around Joseph and Mary is that this is just another ordinary couple having an ordinary baby who live in an ordinary little town in Judah in reality is an extraordinary story, a miraculous story because the appearances are deceiving. See, I think it's ironic that in those days, Caesar Augustus, if Caesar was born, there would be all kinds of pomp and circumstance, wouldn't there? The Caesar of the Roman Empire having a child is a big deal. But Jesus was very much so a rags to riches story. And what I want us to understand is how Jesus really portrays in that rags to riches story, a story for all of us to understand that we live a rags to riches lifestyle may not be based upon what we'll classify as worldly standards. In other words, we're not the lifestyles of rich and famous. Robin Leach, if he was still alive, is not gonna show up on your doorstep saying, hey, I wanna do a story about you, and we're going to show it on TV. 
but the reality is we all have a rags to riches story. What seems from an ordinary perspective is actually very extraordinary. So the truth of the matter is this, that Jesus' birth was just the beginning of his humble existence and he would live and the sacrifice he would make for all of us to experience the life of rags to riches. So here's what I want you to remember. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this, that God's heart is for all of us to experience the rags to riches life in Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of everything that we do. And what I'm afraid oftentimes is we become so overwhelmed with what the world expects during Christmas or what the world expects from us in, in our everyday life, that we get bombarded by chasing this worldly desire, the American dream and things like this, rather than understanding that the very life that Jesus calls me to live is a rags to riches lifestyle. And so we're gonna kind of unpack that a little bit today, and I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're excited. I hope it's something that God will re- reveal to you in this time about how rich you really are. Don't look at how much you can buy at Christmas. Don't look at what you can give everybody else, but what did God give me in the midst of this very story that he lays out to us so that we can understand the birth narrative of who Jesus is. Number one is this, and I want you to see more and more about this, the miracles of Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth shows God's rule over circumstances. Listen to what takes place again. In verse uh, one, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, if you were to watch any modern day movie, like the movie, uh, matter of fact, I watched it last week when we were out at Thanksgiving in Indiana, the movie Risen. Anybody seen that movie Risen? Oh my gosh, you need to watch it. It's the story of a Roman soldier who is high up in the Roman guard, who takes part in the crucifixion of Jesus, and then he begins to set out. Now, keep in mind, it's a Hollywood movie, so I can't sit there and be like, man, this is like a great biblical movie, all right? But it's just the, 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 the vantage point of Jesus' death from this Roman soldier and then him seeking out the truth. And it's a phenomenal movie that I believe just speaks volumes. And so Caesar Augustus issues this decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. And if you know anything about that time, the Romans owned a a large majority of what we would call modern day Middle East, as well as parts into even Spain and and upper Europe and, and Eastern Europe and things like that. And so the Roman world was a big deal. And so Caesar Augustus calls this census to be taken so he can know how many people are part of it, how great their dynasty is. But I want you to understand in the midst of this, how God uses a simple, a simple census to again reveal his greatness and his goodness. Because listen, if we know anything about the Old Testament, it was very clear that the Messiah would be born in the city of Bethlehem in the town of David. And so a census by the Roman governor is what God uses to get Mary and Joseph where they're supposed to be. And so one of the things we have to begin to understand is that Jesus' birth shows God's rule over circumstances, but I want you to also understand this, that in the midst of that, that God's rule over circumstances speaks volumes to our lives. Because that, mean that, God, that means that God wants to work in your circumstances and through the very circumstances and situations you're in to make sure that you accomplish what he has set forth for you to accomplish. 
See, I think one of the biggest things that we struggle with is we overlook the circumstances and situations that God allows us to be put in. Now, some of those times, we have circumstances that are a result of our own stupid decisions, right? All been there. Make a stupid decision, you reap the consequences of that decision. But I also believe this, that if God is sovereign, he knew you were gonna make that decision. He gave you the option not to make that decision. As a result, we may or may not reap the consequences of that decision, but listen to me, God still is going to work in and through you as a result of that. God wants to use your past to change the future not just in your life, but also for the lives of other people so that I can learn from the circumstances and situations I have put myself in and the decisions I've made. See, Jesus' birth, when we look at this, is just as average as it comes. Now, a lot of people say, well, no, it wasn't. It was in the end. Now, the problem with this is most of us think, at least in American cultural mindset, like there was some hotel that they just couldn't get room in. When the reality is, it could have been a stable. It could have been a, matter of fact, everything I read on as, as we prepare for this is, it could have been a two-level house back in the day. The upper level was lived in. The lower level would be where they kept the animals. It could have been in a house like that. It could have been a single-level house where one side of the house was where everybody lived and the other side was where they kept their animals. It could have been a cave. It could have been a very simple cave where they stored their animals at night. We don't know. What we do know is that there was no room for them. Part of that was because of the result of the census. Everybody was going back to their hometown. And so this journey of everyone to their hometown was proclaimed by the Romans, but allowed the Jews to follow their own custom of going to one's ancestral home. As a matter of fact, God placed it into the mind of Caesar Augustus to take a census at the right time when Mary was pregnant and due. So what we begin to see is that God works out in his own way his rule over the circumstances and the situations of life. And if you believe that God won't use somebody who doesn't know him to accomplish still what he set out, you don't understand how God works in everything. That's part of the political system even with which everything takes place in our world. You have to understand that biblically, God has a desire, a plan, and he knows what's gonna happen. He knows when the end of the world is gonna come. He knows that he's gonna have to work through people who are not followers of him. He's gonna have to work through government leaders who are gonna try and rise up against him, who are gonna mislead people. He knows all of that. But God, through Jesus' birth, shows us that God's rule over circumstances is still greater than anything and everything that we could accomplish on our own. So we begin to see how God works in the lives of even people who don't believe so that he can accomplish a greater plan and a greater purpose, his plan and his purpose. See, God also had Mary and Joseph to be the descendants or to be descendants of King David whose city was Bethlehem. Joseph was, according to this, was from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. If you know anything about the Old Testament scripture, we know that it says that the Messiah would come through the lineage of David. 
So God works through those circumstances. See, everything is working according to God's sovereign decree. And so Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem, the town of David, because Joseph lineage was from there. And Mary didn't have to go. I said that earlier here. Mary didn't have to go, but she goes anyway, possibly because Joseph wanted her to be present at the birth. See, there's a number of statements that are made here. Number one, we have to understand that it says that Mary and Joseph were if you were to read along at verse five, he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married with him, married to him. There are, there are ideas or beliefs that they were married but hadn't physically consummated the marriage because they were waiting until after Jesus was born. Your Bible may say he, she was betrothed. In other words, it may be that she was promised to. The problem is that doesn't really matter whether they were or weren't married at that point. What it does matter is that Mary didn't have to go with Joseph but she did. And all of it is a result of God working in their lives to accomplish his plan and his purpose because of the great circumstances. Listen to Galatians chapter four. See, the key values of life are found in life itself, not in the things that come with life. But listen to Galatians chapter four, verse four. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive. Listen, adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also an heir. See, the reality of this is that Jesus' birth shows God's rule over circumstances and likewise shows us that we are called to be his son and we are called to be his heir. We are heirs as a result of our relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus came. And so we begin to unpack this and we see that God's heart is for all of us to experience a rags to riches lifestyle. Just don't get caught up in the worldly idea of what rags to riches means. Number two, if God's heart is for all of us to experience a rags to riches life in Jesus Christ, then I want you to understand this miracle, that Jesus' birth shows God's rule over individuals as well. We talk about circumstances, but it also shows us God's rule over individuals as well. So we see his rule over Caesar Augustus. We see his rule over uh, Quirinius. We see his rule over Joseph and Mary, but it's important for us to understand God's power over events is big enough, listen, not only to affect nations and the world, but also powerful enough to affect the individuals as well. Do you believe that God could change your life? Do you believe that God wants to change your life? Do you believe that Jesus has the best out for you? See, here's, here's where I struggle with a lot of people because we'll say it, but when circumstances arise, we completely deny belief in it because we begin to go, what the heck did I do? Do you believe that the God has the best in store for you? Do you believe that God will provide for you? Do you believe that God is going to lead you in a way that is beneficial for you? Do you believe that God has your best interest in mind? Do you believe that God loves you, that God cared for you, that God gave his son for you? Do you believe it to the point that even when I face difficulties, circumstances, and struggles, that he is still gonna look out for me? Do you believe? It? Or is it only when things are good? Because the reality is most of us in our life deny what we say we believe because when the going gets tough, we throw up our hands and we walk away. 
Jesus' birth shows that God's rule over individuals is great, that he has a great desire for you, that God has something good for you. He wants to accomplish good things in you and through you. See, Joseph and Mary went up to Bethlehem because there was a census indirectly, but they went up to Bethlehem because God wanted them in Bethlehem because that's where King David's city was. Matter of fact, listen to this in Micah chapter five, verse two. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphrath, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel. Bethlehem was looked at as a small little town. No big deal. It was insignificant, not a big deal. But what he says is this, I am gonna work in the lives of you as individuals because that is the way I work. I work through the circumstances in your life, but I'm gonna work in your life. I think one of the biggest lies and struggles is that when I become a believer or follower of Jesus, everything's gonna be easy. (laughs) And that's not true. Matter of fact, the early Christians, if you were to ask them, they lost everything. They struggled to make ends meet at times. And so what we begin to understand that Jesus' birth and the miraculousness of Jesus' birth shows God's rule over individuals and that includes his rule over us. See, it was in this town that David was born and it was in this town that he tended his sheep. And so everyone from David's line had to make the trip to Bethlehem to be counted and registered. And so Joseph makes the trip to go with Mary. Mary, not part of that, but at the same time, the lineage of David, here's what happens, here's what rises up. And so Mary and Joseph go together to be counted in Bethlehem as a result of, again, remember, the circumstances of life that Caesar Augustus would require a census. God sovereignly directs Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem to fulfill the Old Testament prophecy concerning the Messiah. And what we have to begin to understand is that God will direct you and lead you in order to fulfill the very things he wants to do in your life. Sometimes we allow sin to mislead us. Sometimes we allow the sin in our lives to create consequences that maybe God never intended. But listen to me, God is sovereign enough to know that at some point you were gonna do that and that he was still gonna work out in your life for you to do or accomplish something great. What most of us do though is this, I've got a past so I can't move on into the future because my past is so great. I struggled with all of these things. I have doubt, I have discouragement, I have all of these problems and these issues I have to deal with. You know, the greatest reason why most people reject following Jesus? Because they say it's too easy. There's no way he could forgive me. If you only knew what I've done, he would not allow that to go on when the reality is, remember this rags to riches lifestyle or the rags to riches story is that Jesus wants to take somebody who was caught in the rags and the poverty and the depression and the chains and the bondage of everything else. And he wants you to live a life full of richness and blessing and encouragement through that. And so here's the third point. If God's heart is for all of us to experience a rags to riches life in Christ, then I want you to know number three is this, that Jesus' birth shows God's mercy for all. Look at 
Listen to what happens in the following verses, right there towards the end, verse five. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and expecting a child. Now listen to this. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And it says, she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All of this fulfilling the very prophecy that took place. But what we begin to understand is what was a or, or an, an influential or a non-whatever. Non it was an ordinary birth. <laughs> because, sorry, get tongue-tied sometimes. It was an ordinary birth becomes an extraordinary thing because it's the beginning of the rise of the kingdom of God is the beginning of the rags to riches story. And so what I wanna do is unpack a few things from scripture. See, when she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, those cloths would commonly be used when a baby was born to cradle them and hold them tightly. And in the midst of those holding them tightly, they would also give them some support and encouragement. But I want you to see this. That's just a fulfillment of the prophecies that would take place, that that it was gonna be a pointed sign. That's part of the cloth issue was so that the, the, the shepherds could come and find him because it says, hey, you're gonna find a baby. He's gonna be wrapped in cloths and placed in a manger. All of that was used to, to lay that out. But these cloths would be used in preparing a baby. And if, if you understand this right, in Isaiah chapter 64, we begin to see something like this. Isaiah 64, verse six. That all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We're all shriveled up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So what we begin to understand is the sign of rags to riches. See, what we like to do is offer the rags that we think are so great. We wanna swaddle Jesus up with what we think we can offer when the reality is you and I, our righteousness is like filthy rags. When the reality is that your rags and my rags, the things that we think are so great and so good, are the very things that in reality keep us from a strong relationship with Jesus because we think we bring stuff and offer stuff when the reality is all we got to offer is us. Jesus doesn't look at what you've done for him. Jesus isn't gonna look back and go, hey, you know what? You, you did some great things and you bought, you bought all, I mean, heck, let's just throw out there. You did so many great things for the people in Angel Tree or, or maybe Operation Christmas Child. You've done all these things. You've given all kinds of money to the church. You've been a great benefit and things like that. We oftentimes look and go, hey, look what we have to offer. Matter of fact, today in, in, in our Bible study time, one of the things is we oftentimes look at ourselves higher, better, in an arrogant, almost attitude rather than humbly. We don't consider others better. We oftentimes look at ourselves as better. But Jesus' birth shows God's mercy to all. And that's what we have to begin to understand because Jesus' birth, this rags to riches, is this idea that he came in an ordinary way, wrapped in these claws, but at the same time, he's the king of the entire world. An unexpected way to be born. And likewise, it's gonna be an unexpected way to die for a king. So I want you to think about this just a little bit more. We talk about all of us who are 
unclean and our righteous acts are like filthy rags. But listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, for you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, listen to this, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus had everything to lose and nothing to gain other than us. And so the miracle of Christmas is just the simple miracle that we all can experience a rags to riches lifestyle because of the truth of the matter is this, that Jesus rags to riches story offers us a rags to riches story. That the very things that we think that we can offer these rags to Jesus are the very things. Remember what I said? All your righteousness, that's just your righteousness. Let's talk about the bad things. Listen, all of those things are considered filthy rags. But the good news is that you can walk from a rags to riches story because Jesus says, look, it's not about the rags you have to offer. It's not about your past. It's not about what you've done in the past. It's not about who you were in the past. It's not about the the grudges you held. It's not about the things you did or how you treated people. It's not about the addictions you've struggled with or the depression and the discouragement. It's not about all of those things, but rather I want you to understand that I came that you would have life and life more abundantly. You know, we use John 10, 10 all the time where it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I want you to understand this, that when we understand that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he came to steal your joy. He came to steal your peace. He came to steal your identity. He came to steal your value. So we have to begin to understand that. So he came to steal, to kill you, and to destroy everything about God's kingdom. But likewise, listen, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more Abundantly. The rags to riches story is that we can't offer anything other than ourselves. Our righteousness is not built upon what we've done. Our righteousness is solely built upon a relationship with Jesus Christ. So your rags to riches story is built upon that. It's not built upon what you have to offer. And the good news about that is this. That regardless of what you've done, whether good or bad, it's not held against you. That's the beauty of the gospel. And so the very thing that everybody says, I can't believe that, that's just too easy, is the very reason why Jesus came in the first place. So that your rags and riches story is not caught up in what you can do. Because listen, we love the comparison game, don't we? Well, I'm better than that person. Well, I don't do the bad things that they do. I don't act the way they act. I don't strive to do the things they do. And so we begin to understand that when we see that God set out for our good so that we can have a rags to riches story, we begin to understand that, listen, I don't have anything to offer other than myself. And Romans 12 says, therefore, brothers, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's all you have to offer. That I offer my life and say, God, whatever it is you have for me, I'll do. Because the rags to riches story is a story that all of us can live because we can understand the richness of God's grace. 
in his forgiveness and mercy that he offers to everybody. And so when we think about the story of Jesus' birth, we have to begin to understand it was just the beginning of Jesus' time on earth in which John, if you go back to John chapter 14, we always know this, we, we talk about it, but Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. And if that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So let's go back to the lifestyles of the not so rich or the rich and famous or MTV Cribs. And the reality is this, that when Jesus was born, he knew the end goal. He knew the timing. He knew the circumstances and struggles. He knew that people would reject him. He knew that there would be people who, like the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew that people were still going to sin, that people were going to walk against him. People were going to turn their back. People weren't going to believe no matter what went on. But in order to experience a rags to riches lifestyle, we have to begin to understand that Jesus has a greater picture in store for us. That God's mercy is shown through Jesus' birth and that as a result of that, I can have a rags to riches life in Jesus Christ because that's what he's called me to do. That I can walk, that I can have a life that's filled with abundance and blessing. Now listen, Again, going back there, the minute I throw out abundance, people are like, oh, that means more things. Matter of fact, as I was preparing, I looked at how many quotes pastors had used where it was like that God wants me to be a millionaire. Do you really, I'm, I honestly think, do you think that God cares so much about how much you make or does he care more about who you are? He cares about who you are. And the simple fact is, God may bless somebody financially and use them in a great way. And God may say, hey, you know what? Financially, you're not gonna have that kind of blessing, but he still wants to use you in a great way. I remember as a kid, I was saying, man, God, if you make me a major league baseball player, I'll use all that money to expand your kingdom. Well, that obviously didn't happen. <laughs> and I kind of think, man, $26 million a year. You know what kind of stuff we could do with $26 million a year? When I met Albert Pujols out at uh, Blue Springs at the Gage thing, I'm thinking, how can I get you to come to our church? Tithe on $26 million is pretty good. <laughs> but listen to me. That's not what God called us to, is it? You can't get caught up in the worry of being rich based upon a worldly standard, but you can understand that I can live a rags to riches lifestyle because that's what Jesus has called you to do, to live or experience life and life more abundantly in Christ. Listen, I wholeheartedly believe this. When it talks about Jesus being wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace, the reason most of us don't experience peace at Christmas is because we're still chasing after everything else that everybody else wants us to chase. When the reality is we have all experienced a rags to riches life in Jesus as a result of what Jesus did because he offers us life and life more abundantly in Jesus Christ. That's the promise and the hope of the birth that you and I can experience that life now, 
not later. And, and let, me, let me just say this. Some of you think that maybe if circumstances or your situation was different, that all of a sudden you would experience joy. That's a false lie. If you can't experience joy and peace where you're at now, you think changing circumstances is gonna change it? Won't happen. You know how many addicts we've dealt with and they're, oh, if I just go back to this place, I'll never have that problem. You know what? Never changes. They just find where they can get their addiction filled at. You're changing the circumstances and situations in your life doesn't mean you're gonna experience more joy and more peace. You have to let the Prince of Peace into your heart to change your heart to experience his joy and peace because he is walking with you in every circumstance and every situation you face. That's the encouragement. That's the great news of a rags to riches life. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that we could even begin to understand uh, the rags to riches life. God, I thank you for the fact that in the midst of what we go through on a daily basis, where we think that so many times that maybe we have so much to offer, that the reality is that all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. Doesn't mean we don't strive to do great things for you, God, but what we bring is all we have to offer is us. It's not our good works. It's not everything that we think we've accomplished because we know that we only accomplish those things through your grace and how you work in and through us. So Father, I pray today, just as we close with the song, that you would be a person who would encourage us. God, I pray that we would experience your peace. I pray that we would begin to see that, uh, that oftentimes when we chase after the things of this world or maybe we, we deal with the struggles and the circumstances that we find ourselves in, that we're not gonna experience the peace and joy you have. And God, I pray that the peace and joy that we can experience would be something we would experience today, that we would start it today. God, I know that there are some walking around with heavy hearts, with discouragement. Maybe there are financial difficulties and struggles. But God, I pray that we would not look to the world for the answers of life, that we would not look and say, hey, I don't, I don't get to experience this richness that you're talking about when we realize that we can see today, that we can experience the richness of a relationship with you, knowing that, listen, everything else that we are working for is gonna pass away and fade. But the things we do for you and through you, in you, and as you accomplish it in us, that those are the treasures we store up in heaven. Father, I pray that just in the, this simple moment of giving our offering, God, that you would multiply it, that you would use it greatly. God, we know that it says, the Bible says that you love a cheerful giver. May we give with a cheerful heart, knowing that you have given us as stewards of that an opportunity to give back. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.